This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. I'm your host for this one, John Siegley, joined again by Sherelle McMillan. Sherelle, it's our second podcast of the week, and we are talking basketball because basketball season literally begins tomorrow, based upon when we are recording this podcast. If you're listening on Thursday, then it would be today because the Heels start their practice. However, before we get to that later on in the podcast, Earlier in the week, we talked about the big-time commit that UNC got from Walker Kessler, the five-star center. But over the weekend when he visited, there was another five-star player as well on campus. That was the point guard, Caleb Love. Go ahead and give a very quick just background on who Caleb Love is for maybe some fans who have not been following his recruitment. Sure. Uh, So Caleb Love is a... Uh, we'll call him lead guard. Um, he started off as kind of a combo who's trying to transition into being a point guard. But for all intents and purposes, we'll call him a lead guard. Uh, he's from uh, St. Louis. Um, he goes to Christian Brothers College High School, which ironically is coached by Justin Tatum, uh, the father of Jason Tatum, former uh, Duke star now at the Boston Celtics. Um, so that area has really good public uh, high school basketball. And so he's grown up in that. He's a four-year varsity guy. Um, he started since his sophomore year, you know, so this will be his third consecutive year starting in high school. Um, he played for Brad Bill Elite, kind of one of the really consistent AAU teams on the EYBL circuit, um, performed really well there. I think he caught the attention of the North Carolina staff, of, you know, December of 2018, really, is when they first kind of saw him. And they didn't do much, uh, frankly, last fall with him. They just kind of kept in contact. And then uh, Steve Robinson, who is his lead recruiter, kind of, you know, ratcheted up the attention with him a little bit, I I would say, before the spring period in April. Um, All three assistants watched him in April, and then he picked up a Carolina offer in May. Um, Since then, you know, Carolina's been after him, and he's a a guard that they really want. And um, now North Carolina's in his final two with uh, Missouri, the home state school. Yeah, I was going to say, looking at his profile on 247, it looks like those are really the only two schools still in this one. So UNC got him on campus for the visit. And for everyone that's listening, the full report is going to be on the UNC Basketball Premium Message Board on InsideCarolina.com. But what was a quick summary of the visit, Sherelle? Like, do you think that overall it was a positive one for the Heels when it comes to this recruitment? Definitely. Uh, his father handles most of the kind of media recruiting stuff uh, for him, and that goes for pretty much uh, every school who was recruiting him. His father is the main kind of media contact. And so in our conversation with him, he really seemed to um, like North Carolina's uh, genuineness, the, just how honest Roe Williams was in his opinion 
how he didn't sugarcoat anything. He didn't promise anything. Um, and that really resonated with both uh, Caleb's dad and Caleb's mom as well. And, and with Caleb too. So I think, um, you know, North Carolina does really well with these official visits. It's something we've always talked about that they feel like if they can get a guy on campus then they've got a shot. And I think they, they really put their best foot forward for uh, Love and Kessler. And we'll see if it pays off with Love uh, probably early next week. Now, looking at the point guard spot for the projected depth chart, I mean, right now there's really only two, Anthony and Francis. And I think Cole Anthony, if he sticks around, I think it would be a shock to basically everybody if he ended up having two years in Chapel Hill. So when you're looking at the overall importance of love in this class, how high do you think he is on the priority board for the UNC staff? Oh, I mean, he's he's way up there. I don't think they would they would uh, recruit him as hard as they have, uh, have him in for an official visit, um, and you know just really go after him the way they have if they didn't want him. And you know he's right up there. They have Cade Cunningham also uh, is a lead guard in the 2020 class, and maybe we can get into him a little bit later. But uh, you know they want someone to come in and fill in for Cole Anthony. And the thing about the both Love and Cunningham is that they can play, both can play the one or the two. So a backcourt with them, um, I think at first people maybe didn't think it would work, but the more kind of we talked about it as a staff, the more we've heard what Roy Williams's pitch is, I think it makes a little bit more sense than maybe originally thought. So what kind of point guard is Love really there? I mean, he's listed at 6'3", 170. Is he really known as like the attacking type? Is he more of the outside shooter? Or does he have just kind of the jack-of-all-trades skill set? I, I think first and foremost, he's a scorer. And um, that that's why I would rather call him a lead guard. Um, because I think, you know, you can't have someone have the ball in their hands the entire game and not be able to score and not be able to shoot. Those days are gone. So point guard, people think of, you know, kind of a, a 6'1 guy who's a really good passer and maybe can't shoot, scores a little bit. That The days of that are gone. Um, I think, like I said, love is best at scoring. And uh, me and Ben Sherman watched him a ton um, in August. We watched him in April as well. We watched him a ton in, in July just because it, it seemed like North Carolina was kind of zeroing in on him. And what we noticed was is that his scoring uh, creates everything for him. So he's most comfortable doing that. And so once he starts scoring, um, once he gets that momentum, pull up jumpers, getting to the, to the cup, um, that's when his passing opens up. That's when his defense really gets going, but he is, he is first and foremost, a really, really good scorer. And uh, I, I think that's what North Carolina wants him to come in and do. Cause we talked about it with his last class. They're losing so much perimeter scoring from uh, the season that's about to start. They're losing Brandon Robinson. They're going to lose Justin Pierce, who's a good shooter. They're going to lose uh, Christian Keeling, grad transfer, who's a really good scorer um, off the dribble. They're going to lose Cole Anthony. So they they have a lot of offense to replace, especially from the perimeter. And uh, I think Love could really help with that. And then I think Kessler as well, with his ability to, to stretch the, the floor, really shoot the outside. I think that was also a key component of why UNC was so high on him. And let's go ahead and finish up the love talk. The the love talk. There you go. Uh, the, the conversation about different love. kind of program. Different yeah, kind exactly. Of program there. That's a that's Ross's dating show for WCHL. <laughs> um, 
But let's go ahead and wrap up the conversation about love with this. You mentioned earlier that you know he could be making a decision early next week. Is that what type of time frame UNC fans can be looking at as when he might be announcing his college decision? Yeah, he confirmed that with uh, 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Director Evan Daniels earlier today, um, is that the plan is next week to um, announce his decision whether he's going to Missouri or UNC. All right, good deal. Well, that will certainly be one that UNC fans can follow. Inside Carolina will, of course, have all of the coverage for that one. We'll see which way it goes. Let's go ahead and take a brief moment, though, to talk about our sponsors, Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They are your place to go for Carolina gear. They have been a longtime sponsor of Inside Carolina. They've also been a long-term icon on Franklin Street. They've been in business for decades. They are locally and alumni-owned. They have your very best customer service. Basketball season is starting, like we said. This weekend is going to be a huge event for all UNC fans with Late Night with Roy on Friday night and then the matchup against Clemson on Saturday. So if you're going to be in Chapel Hill, make sure that you stop by a giant T-shirt you can pick up your Return of the Mac t-shirt as well as whatever other gear or memorabilia you need for the Tar Heel and your family. If you're not going to be able to make it to campus, you can shop at johnnytshirt.com. And as another bonus, if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off of your orders either online or in store. You can get that code from the Inside Carolina premium message boards. So make sure that you do get that. And remember that Johnny T-Shirt, johntshirt.com, your place to go for all of your Carolina gear needs. All right, Sherelle, so let's go ahead and actually transition now to the actual start of the basketball season because practices will go ahead and begin on Thursday. Again, tomorrow for when we are recording the podcast, today for when most people are going to be listening to this one. So it's obviously a very, very different team than the than the one that took the court last year for UNC. You have been interviewing a lot of the players inside Carolina has really been trying to sit down with them and get their thoughts. What do you think the overall vibe right now is amongst the guys heading into this brand new season? I think they believe they can be really good. And you would expect that pretty much everybody, hopefully, if their competitors believes that they're going to be good um, prior to the first day of practice now i think we'll have to see how they mesh uh to me that's the most important part i think they have enough talent um in specific places i think they have enough scoring you know on on the perimeter i think they're going to go back to kind of their traditional two big lineup so i I believe they'll again probably lead the country in rebounding or, or be top two or three in that category same with offensive rebounding so the the tenets of what a North Carolina basketball team looked like will still be there. It's just a matter of integrating so many new pieces because um, when you have six new guys coming in and of the guys who were left, you know, really only two or three of them played, you know, heavy minutes, then um, you have to develop an identity as a team. And that's what Roy Williams does really, really well. Um, develop an identity of the team as, as the season goes along. And that's why sometimes, you know, North Carolina, struggles a little bit in November and December and then almost, you know, you, like clockwork <laughs> around January 28th or something, they get on a little streak and head into March super hot. Um, I don't think this team will be any different. I think the curve is a little steeper for it. So um, November and December might be a tad worse than the past couple of years, just because um, there, there's freshmen, there's grad transfers, there's people getting used to each other, uh, figuring out where each other likes the ball, figuring out, um, rotations, just all that stuff that goes into being a really good basketball team that a lot of the Carolina teams of the last few years 
had one, two, three, four years to develop that. This team is going to have to come together very, very quickly. You mentioned the two grad transfers, Keeling and Pierce. How do you think they are integrating themselves into the team so far? Um, you know, we talked to Pierce and Keeling over the summer, and both of them said um, their graduate programs didn't start until, I think, early August. Um, so they had basically from June 15th until early August to do nothing but basketball. And they both said they really wanted to take advantage of that opportunity because it's the first time they've had it, um, you know, since they started college. So basically living at the gym, living in the weight room, living in the film room, um, playing pickup as much as possible. I, I think they've done a really good job because, you know, if you just look at anecdotally, if you just look at their social media, it seems like they really um, have integrated themselves and they know what North Carolina basketball is about. And then if you, you know, talk to them and you've talked to their folks, their coaches, um, both of them say they are just ecstatic about the decision that they made and the opportunity they have at North Carolina. And then the point guard position has obviously been a very, very hot topic on the message board. UNC lost one of the most electric freshmen that they have in a while when Kobe White went to the NBA, got drafted by the Bulls, but they have a brand new five-star point guard coming in, Cole Anthony. But they also have combo guard Anthony Harris, who's also joining. And then there's also another point guard, Jeremiah Francis. You know, with Francis still coming off of his injuries, I don't know really how much is going to be expected of him, Sherelle. But when you're looking at specifically that point guard spot, it's the most important position in the Roy Williams offense. How do you think the players are going to fill those shoes that have been left by White? It probably won't be filling the shoes as much it is as it is just a different pair of shoes, just because Cole Anthony has a different identity as a basketball player. And uh, last year's team, you know, Kobe had the luxury, I think you would say, of coming along a little slowly. He kind of took over as the team leader, as the guy. I would say in, in mid January to mid to late January. I don't think Cole Anthony is going to have that type of cushion uh, this season, just because you know North Carolina starts the season with an ACC game and their schedule is pretty um, unrelenting. It, it just keeps going. You think that wow, they played this team and they played another great team and they played another great team, and then they have to go to Gonzaga, and before you know it, ACC is play has started. So I think that's a little bit of difference is that Cole is going to have a little more on him immediately than, than Kobe did, but. Um, both great players, and I think Cole Anthony will have a tremendous season in North Carolina. And then what about the the other guards there that I mentioned, Anthony Harris and Jeremiah Francis? What do you think Tar Heel fans can be expecting from them here in the early part of the season? Well, I think it remains to be seen about Anthony Harris. Of the two, he's definitely closer. Um, he tore his ACL, I believe it was the first week in December in 2018. Um, so he's had a reasonable amount of time off. He's been doing some stuff, but North Carolina just traditionally very, very conservative with having guys do stuff in the summer who have had injuries. So maybe he could have done more or practice if they really, really wanted him to, but they're trying to give him time to get fully healthy. So I do think he'll, he'll play. I think he'll have a role as far as Francis is concerned. It's just a tough ask for him because, mm -hmm. you know, he hasn't played a, what you call a real game of basketball since the week before he committed to Carolina, which was, you know, the last week in July, 2017. Um, so he's been out of competitive basketball for more than two years. So to ask him to come in and play in the ACC after that long of a break, after the type of injuries, he, injuries he's had, I think is a, a really tall act. So I don't think you should look for much from him this season um, and maybe reassess where he is next summer.
All right, then my final question, Sherelle, is this. Do you think that Roy Williams will be having any mercy on the six new players that joined the program when, when practice starts, or is he just going to basically <laughs> throw them right into the fire? Oh yeah, not an ounce. Uh, I think tomorrow you'll. You, I think tomorrow after practice is over, you'll you'll see the social media posts. It's kind of like, wow, this is this is tough. And you know, it it happens a lot. I, I think over the years, you know, talking to some of the the people close to the freshmen, we always get the reports back. Like, man, this is this is something different. I I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, and they'll just that's that's kind of what happens is, um, you know, they go into that first practice and they realize kind of what it's going to take uh, to be good, what it's going to take to be on the court, and they have to level set and adjust, and most guys do that. Yep, it is going to definitely be a different experience, I would say. Um, you know, I think just me at my current athletic level could last 30 seconds in a UNC practice, maybe. That, that might be generous. Uh, I just I just wouldn't. I just would stop. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just yeah, hand Roy in my scholarship and say I'm done. Yeah, that sounds about right for me too, man. All right, let's go ahead and take our last commercial break. When we get back, we will go ahead and be looking at Late Night with Roy, specifically the huge number of high-profile recruits that are planning to be there for the event. So stay tuned. We will be right back after this. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves, demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Sherelle McMillan. All right, Sherelle, let's go ahead and wrap this one up by talking about Late Night with Roy. I cannot believe that it is here already. It really feels like it should be later on in the year. But, you know, October is right around the corner there. But looking at the list of names that UNC has projected to be there, that full list is available on the Basketball Premium Message Board. So make sure that if you're listening, you go there and you can get it all. But when you're looking at that list, Sherelle, just who are one or two players that really stand out to you as being guys that UNC has a really good shot at, at potentially getting a commitment from after they visit late night with Roy? Let's start with Dayron Sharp, who is UNC's first 2020 commitment. So they obviously have a great shot with him because he's committed. Uh, I think people kind of forget um, just how good of a player he's developed into because he committed so long ago. It, it's happened a few times. I think it happened with Kobe White, frankly, where he committed um, before his junior season started. And people really weren't sure exactly what North Carolina was getting. Um, and it turns out, you know, how good Kobe was. He's in the NBA now. So I, I think Dayron. Um, you know, he decided to go down to Mount Verde Academy in Florida because he wants to be ready to play in Chapel Hill from uh, the day he steps on campus next June. 
and you know he's taking steps to to better himself and you can just see kind of each time he plays and i know it's cliche but kind of each time he plays he gets a little better i mean he's an when i say elite offensive rebounder he's one of the best i've ever seen um at the high school level and you know he has that skill going for him um you know he's he's got a burgeoning perimeter game a little bit um it's something he still needs to work on but just his effort level people are going to love um, and then he just he just seems like a fun dude. And I think, he, you know, people gravitate towards him, which leads me to Cade Cunningham, who also is at Mount Verde Academy, who is a teammate of Dayron Sharp. And I think we maybe underestimated how good of a recruiter Sharp is because him and Cunningham have developed a, a really great relationship. And in part, I think that's one of the reasons that North Carolina um, has the potential to upend Oklahoma State who is the perceived favorite for um, Cunningham. His brother was hired as, as an assistant coach there in June. So I, I think Sharp is one of the reasons that Carolina actually has a shot there, probably along with Kentucky and a couple other schools. And then UNC is also expecting a player from the 2021 class, one of the top guys in there. He's currently ranked at number three, Paulo Banchero. Uh, who is a power forward. How big a deal do you think it is, Rel, that UNC is getting such a high-profile recruit for the 2021 class in Chapel Hill? It's always good, like like we were just talking about. With UNC, they have supreme confidence in themselves, in their presentation, in how they handle uh, uh, official visits, in the school itself, in the fans, that all that will come together and really have a sway on these kids' decisions. And so to get someone coming all the way from Seattle, uh, someone whose parents both went to Washington and most people have pegged as a, a strong Washington lean early in the process, uh, to get him on campus already, I think, is a big deal for UNC because you never know. Um, you know, a, a week ago, if we had done this podcast and you had asked me about Walker Kessler, I would have said, yeah, North Carolina's chances aren't great because blah, 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 blah. But we see that um, the coaching staff generally knows more than we do. Um, and they might know a little bit more with Banchero than we do. Uh, and I do know that he has, um, some family, you know, kind of from the South who, you know, tend to like North Carolina. So maybe that is an end that UNC has, but it, it's very early for him. Um, and he's a great player. They watched him a ton, um, at USA basketball events. They watched him on the EYBL circuit. They watched him at the NBPA top 100 camp in Charlottesville. And I mean, he, he's one of those guys who can just do a little bit of everything. And he's so big and so strong. Um, he just makes a lot of other people on the court look small. Uh, so definitely a great player and, and someone that North Carolina is fortunate enough to get. Um, would definitely kind of continue this pipeline of elites going to UNC. We also talked about momentum in our last podcast when we discussed the Kessler commitment. If the heels are able to really have a positive turn out to late night with Roy if they get some positive feedback from the recruits and then maybe if the decision for Caleb Love that we've talked about that goes UNC's way next week Sherelle are we really looking at a situation where Carolina could have a lot of recruiting momentum going forward for the rest of the season oh yeah I mean they are they have it now they we talked about it a few times they've done something as far as big men they haven't done in 11 classes so that's already momentum there um, and I think Kessler, to me, really changed the math on the class. So you start trying to project, OK, who is North Carolina have the, the best chance with? Who um, is really kind of feeling UNC? And Kessler wasn't on that list at all, just because we like I said, it was, it was a complete surprise. For those of you who've been 
kind of reading I see been following recruiting for a long time is very reminiscent of Brandon Wright's recruitment back in, I guess that was 2005 uh, mm -hmm. when that would have been. Um, just because it seemingly came out of nowhere. And there wasn't a person probably outside of the Simmons Center who thought that he was going to go to UNC and he ended up doing it. So all that to say, Kessler changes the math because now they already have, you know, two really good players. I think they're in good shape uh, for Love. Obviously, you know, kind of a 50-50 deal between uh, Carolina and Missouri. I think they have a real shot at Cade Cunningham. I think they have a real shot at Zaire Williams, who also will be um, at leg night. It'll be his third unofficial, or excuse me, his third trip to North Carolina in a year, his second official visit, and his second time attending late night with Roy. So I think they have a shot with him. And, you know, there's Bryce Thompson, who's still out there. Um, there's a lot of good players that North Carolina still um, has a shot with. And, you know, just adding one will make it one of their best classes, you know, of the last decade. If they add two of these guys, then it, it starts to get towards 2006 and challenge for Roy Williams' best class at UNC. And do you think that that Coach Williams will take as many elite players as can possibly want to commit to UNC? Or do you think that they may consider themselves full at certain positions? Yeah, I think it just varies. Um, and really, the way North Carolina and their staff do things, it just comes down to Roy, Roy Williams' prerogative. That's really kind of what the deal is. So if he says he'll take these two, but not these two, then that's what they'll do. But if he wants, you know, two of five and um, there has to be a, a small forward in there, but he'll take two shooting guards and let one of the shooting guards play small forward. So there's all those permutations in there that really only he has the answer to. I think they want two more guards for sure. Um, preferably one is a lead guard and then you kind of figure out what the other one looks like. And I think they want someone to play on the wing as well, because if you look at the depth chart, there's, there's not a ton there coming back next season for UNC. If you slot Leaky Black as a wing, he's there. If you slot Andrew Playtech as a wing, he's there. And that's really it. Uh, so they need a wing, they need perimeter scoring. And I think that's, you know, if you look at their offer list and the recruit list, that's what they're going for. All right, good deal. Well, we'll go ahead and end this one then, unless if you had anything else that you felt like sharing, Sherelle, or just any other general thoughts at this point on the basketball season. No, not really. I just think it's going to be, um, you know, as far as national level recruitment, North Carolina hasn't been in a ton and they haven't beaten some of these traditional powers like Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, and Arizona a, a ton the last few years. And it seems like that's starting to change. And it just goes back to, I think we've always talked about recruiting a cyclical. And, you know, um, the other schools have, have done really well and their results on the court have been really well. North Carolina's recruiting wasn't quite at their level, but <laughs> the results were at the same level. So I think it, it shows Roy's versatility. I think it shows his staff's versatility in constructing rosters and adjusting um, style of play based on the roster to still be national championship contenders pretty much every year. If you look at what they did with this recruiting class, nobody <laughs> who follows North Carolina basketball knew who Justin Pierce or Christian Keeling were a year ago. And now they are key components to North Carolina's chances at going back to a Final Four this coming year. So I think, you know, you just start to see 
as they piece together the roster each year, you start to see that they can do it in many different ways. They can do it with guys ranked in the 50s and 60s. They can do it with grad transfers. They can do it with guys in the top 10. They can do it with guys who are ranked out of the top 100, like Luke May, who end up becoming All-American. So just to me, it shows the job that North Carolina staff has done. Absolutely. The developments of players over the last few years has just been amazing to watch. It's been super enjoyable for the Carolina fan base as well. Like you said, the success has been right there, if not better than the schools that have been recruiting better than the Heels. So major props to Coach Williams and his staff. We'll go ahead, though, and in this one, Sherelle, hope that you have a good rest of your night, man, and maybe we'll talk again next week. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by johnnytshirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.